Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash XM. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to The Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at The Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. fans welcome to another edition of the bird calls podcast and a very important one because this baby is taking us over forty thousand downloads so thank all of you so much for for continuing to listen retweeting all of your support we appreciate it so much now today we are previewing previewing uh it's going well so far the minnesota timberwolves with david naylor of zone coverage minnesota and co-host to the wolves wired podcast thank you for joining us david glad to be here my friends it's I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Already a pleasure, ready to talk some exciting basketball tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to this one. And as we were just saying off the air, you sound glorious, like Moses uh, from the heavens, uh, just <laughs> chanting into our podcast. Uh, follow David at, this is P-R-O-F, Cedar, Professor Cedar, and find all of his latest work at Zone Coverage M and also joining us is SB Nations, the Bird Rice editor. You guys know Ali Cosell. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How are you doing, Preston? I'm good, Happy man. Happy Halloween, buddy. I was going to say, I am so grateful to be celebrating this timeless and cherished holiday with the three of you while staring at my computer in my closet. So thank you for being here with me, you guys. I, uh, I just came from the grocery store. I've got my candy for myself. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> well done. We'll carve some pumpkins in the middle of this. But before we go any further, I have a special request of all of you. And I'm sure you know what it is ahead of time. But this time it's different because by the time most of you listen to this, it'll be my birthday. And I have one request. Open your podcast app on your smartphone. Search the bird rights. Select the logo. Scroll to the bottom and rate it for computer users. Open iTunes. Go to store. Change from music to podcasts. Search the bird rights. Select it and rated i'm sorry for the detailed step-by-step process but even my parents can't figure this out man i'll be sure to give everybody who comments a shout out on the next pod that is behind us let's get to it david 
The four and three Minnesota Timberwolves equipped with newbies Jimmy Butler, Todd Gibson, and Jeff Teague head to New Orleans on Wednesday night to face the three and four Pelicans. They are fresh off an overtime victory on Monday night in Miami in addition to wins over the Jazz and the Thunder twice, I believe. Now they've had losses to the Spurs, the Pistons, and the Pacers. Just to recap, Vegas had the Wolves as the biggest risers in the West, I think, with like a 16-game increase. After seven games, what are the expectations for you guys in Minnesota right now? Well, it last week's losses to Detroit and Indiana kind of put things in a little bit of perspective for Wolves fans that may have been a little bit overly optimistic about how quickly the team was going to gel with so many new faces in the starting lineup, myself included. Um, I was probably had one of the more optimistic over-under predictions out there this season because somebody had to take the bullet and do it. Um, and getting, getting whoops now... For context, both of the two games last week in which the Wolves got soundly whipped by the Pistons and Pacers were without Jimmy Butler, who was out with an upper respiratory illness. Lots of snot, lots of fun from some of his quotes. <laughs> um, so the Wolves are 4-1 and one when they have their complete starting lineup in. and But none of the games have been easy. So to this point, it's... They clearly have the potential to be good and actually bring a playoff team to Minnesota for the first time in 13 years, the longest drought in the NBA. Um, Yeah, I was I was doing a little bit of research preemptively if they can keep keep the winning ways up to see just how long it's been since they've been however many games over 500 they might get. And boy, it's been a rough go the last decade. (laughs) But we thought we had a bad. Yeah, yeah, I love I, what you've already mentioned, because those are the first two things I was going to ask you about. Jimmy Butler, I, I looked up and just saw those two losses, and your playoff drought. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, David, honestly, you just touched on the expectations, but honestly, do you guys, after you just have seven games, and does, let's discount those two losses, do you think these guys are honestly going to be a top four or five seed? Because that's where all the experts had you guys coming into preseason. I think that the potential is there right now. They look more like one of those like six, seven, eight competing for the playoff race with like team teams. Like we're thinking of like the Clippers and where the Pelicans are and the nuggets coming into the season and the jazz, all those teams that are kind of like in that, like five through nine bracket, just because flat out their defense isn't good enough right now. They are, I think, fourth in offensive rating after their performance in Miami last night, but they are dead last in the league in defensive rating, and that is fully deserved. And with the way that they have looked on defense, that is not a that's not a contender level of team. There's no way they can be a contender for realistically even winning a playoff series if the defense is as bad as it's been. Yeah, I'll take this. Uh Let's let's talk a little bit more about that shakeup. I heard Ollie mention Jimmy Butler, and definitely we need to get to the bottom of this because I am so sorry. I don't even know if you guys can hear that. Okay, sorry about that. that. <laughs> you didn't hear that? Perfect. Okay, so uh, like I was saying, you guys had a bit of a roster shakeup. Uh, you shipped out Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, what became Laurie Markkinen uh, for Jimmy Butler, and then you used what uh, available cap space you had for Jeff Teague and Todd Gibson. Also, Drew Holiday was rumored to be a target of you guys before the Jeff Teague signing. 
But I guess my question is now, how are these new acquisitions fitting in so far? And is there any sort of, uh, I don't know, buyer's remorse? Do you do you miss now seeing Laurie Markin and the success he's had early on, having the opportunity to groom some young guys around Andrew Wiggins? Or are you pleased with the guys you've brought in, in their production thus far? Well, there's a multifaceted consideration. I don't think there's a single Wolves fan out there that regrets the Jimmy Butler trade in any way, especially since the Timberwolves have not seen anything of their own draft pick that they received back in that pick, which was Justin Patton, um, who has been out with an injury since uh, I believe he I believe it was in a workout over the summer that he did uh, messed up his ankle. And so he's anticipated to be out for most of the season. And so they've got a project there that could be a really, really interesting player down the road. And so you've got the mystery asset and you have Jimmy Butler, who has maybe not been what what some t- people expected of him in in the, his early time in, in, in Minnesota, simply because he hasn't been scoring as much as you, I think people would expect. Mo- most of the scoring load has come down to Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. And Butler has played more of the role of distributor rather than looking to average like 25 points a night. He's had turned in lines like an 18, six and eight kind of line where he's contributing all across the floor and he's locking down the opponent's best wing player, which already in these games, we've seen how, what he can do against Russell Westbrook. We've seen what he can do against Paul George with both of the two wins over the thunder being prime examples of that. So Butler, I don't think there's any bias from Morrison there. Now, if you talk to any Timberwolves fans, you may find the one off-season acquisition that wasn't mentioned by you, which was the trade of Ricky Rubio to the Utah Jazz for a first-round pick that may never actually... I forget what the predictions on that pick are. But some Timberwolves fans were not convinced that Ricky Rubio was not the point guard of the future. Tom Thibodeau was very convinced that Ricky Rubio is not the point guard of the future. And Jeff Teague... I cannot say too many bad things about right now because he had an amazing game last night and hit some very clutch shots to keep the Wolves in front in their win in Miami. But he's had a kind of an on and off start to the year, figuring out where he fits in, especially on offense, just because Teague is a player who does kind of need to get his shots and figuring out where he fits in kind of to the distribution system and to is it time for him to take the shot? Is it time for him to look to stand in the corner and let Butler create? He's, he's I think, has had the most trouble adjusting to his role of any of the new acquisitions. And so there's been some ups and downs. But last night, with he, I, if I remember his line correctly, he had 23 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists, and 6 steals, which is a phenomenal line and hit some really clutch threes late in the game and in overtime. So... Teague is a good player, but he's the one who's probably struggled the most adapting. Taj Gibson remains Taj Gibson. He's very good at exactly what he does. <laughs> Love him. Love him. You know, I was I watched those two OKC games, Dave, and I'll tell you what, Taj Gibson impressed me. He would make the pass from, you know, the perimeter down in the box when there was a guy cutting. He would go in there for the tough rebound. He seemed to be the only guy playing kind of any kind of tough uh, paint defense. You know, I still don't see much out of Cat. Now, I want to go into that a little bit more in a second about just the Timberwolves' lack of defense so far. But honestly, I, I think you nailed it. Yeah, Gibson's been great. And, and as far as Teague, it's funny how you, you basically described him. You know what? That is exactly how the Pelicans would describe Drew Holiday. And you know what? I just looked up. Their lines are almost identical. Teague's just under 15 points a game. Drew's right at 15. Their, their uh, percentages and efficiency are very similar. So, 
even though Drew Holly's been here a couple of years, I don't know if you follow the Pelicans closely, but he's had trouble adapting ever since DeMarcus Cousins came into town, and uh, we're still seeing it this season. Uh, so that's a concern going forward. How he, how is he going to fit? So it sounds like you guys have the similar issue. But more importantly, though, I, I really quick, I want to ask you. So do you think Butler has made a conscious effort to try and provide elsewhere and just go ahead and let Cat and Andrew get the points, go ahead and capitalize on the shot attempts? Or do you think that's just the way it's worked because we've got a small sample size going? I mean, tell me, who is also the captain? So guess what I'm asking you in a roundabout way. Where is Butler's role on this team? Does he see him as a captain, or is he just taking a step back? He's still filling himself out. How would you describe that? From what I've been able to tell, I haven't been I haven't spent much time with the team in person yet this year, but it very much seems like Butler is already the emotional leader of the team, and he sets the attitude of the team and is trying to push things more towards molding this team in his idea. In terms of scoring, he's had moments where he's taken over games, most notably the second game against Oklahoma City. Butler really took over in the fourth quarter of that game and demonstrated that he can be what he needs to be in scoring. The thing with adding Butler to what the Wolves already had on the table is by default, having Jimmy Butler as your wing opposite Andrew Wiggins means that Andrew Wiggins has the best defensive matchups that he's ever had in his career in terms of looking to score because whoever used to be guarding him is now guarding Jimmy Butler. And what that's meant is Wiggins has really been able to kind of flex his scoring muscles a little more than maybe people expected with Butler on the team, just because he's had easier and better opportunities because of the matchups that other teams have been giving them. I'm curious to see as the year move on, moves on, if teams are going to adapt to that and how, how other teams might game plan against what the wolves are, what the wolves have been doing with that, because Butler is a much better creator and passer than Wiggins is and being used in that role lets Wiggins kind of flex more as a natural scorer, which is his best area. And so getting to see some of the aggressive, good scoring basketball that Wiggins has been able to play on offense. It's not necessarily that Butler isn't the leader of this team and that clutch time won't likely revolve around Butler, but it's more that Butler doesn't have to do everything himself because he's playing with two very talented scorers in Wiggins and Towns and that his role as, as creator lets, lets the Wolves have more options as to what they can do to attack teams when it gets down to those very important possessions like who's going to take the final shot. Uh, nice job, Ollie. You seemingly read my mind there. Uh, did you have anything to add on that, Ollie? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that was perfect, yeah. Uh, perfect. I definitely want to talk more about Andrew Wiggins' development because that was something that I noticed uh, while having – you know, the best defender on Jimmy Butler, who I want to mention is a three-time all-star and uh, all-defensive team player. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is down four shots a game. So I definitely still want to talk to his development, but obviously that has to do with uh, shot distribution to people like Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague, where last year uh, Ricky Rubio was more of a distributor. Like you mentioned, Jeff Teague needs to kind of get his own shot first. By the way, you guys are listening to the Bird Rights, and we are talking to David Naylor of Zone Coverage MN and Ali Cosell here on Nothing But Net Radio on The Dash. David, uh, you mentioned this a little bit uh, earlier, and I want to go a little bit more in depth on it. The Wolves are sixth in points per game. Uh, Cat is shooting, I think, 
59% from the field and some something around like 37, 38% from three, but you guys are 28th in opponent scoring. And I was looking up some of the numbers. Uh, you guys are like uh, second to last in fast break points and last in opponents, fast break points, uh, worst in points in the paint, stuff like that. Thibodeau is, is, is supposed to be brought into like, I don't know, give that tough nose defensive edge. He brought in Jimmy Butler and Todd Gibson to, to solidify the defense. Uh, offensively, you guys seem to be, you know, blowing the, the doors off the building, but defensively, what's going wrong here? It's hard to put too much of the blame on one person, but a whole lot of it revolves around towns. And it it feels weird to say that for a player with as much defensive potential as he has, but he just hasn't been playing smart defense. Too much of the time he over pursues on either closing in on a double team or going for a block attempt or going for an offensive rebound or a defensive rebound and just gets caught out of position. There were several times last night where he, um, he would over pursue on a block attempt and then his man, which last night was uh, heat rookie bomb uh, bam at bio would just get a wide open tip in dunk because no one was boxing him out. <laughs> because Towns was out of position. And it just feels like Towns has all of these physical tools, but the mental game sometimes just isn't, isn't there enough for a big man, just being out of position, close, not being, not being able to close out if his man steps out. And there, there are possessions where you see if he gets to be one-on-one with someone, there are a couple of possessions from late in the games against Oklahoma city where he got switched on a Russell Westbrook. And he's just, he can deal with that one-on-one. But playing in terms of his role within the team defense, there's there's been a lot of times where it's felt like there's a lack of rim rim protection just because if teams play around Towns correct to what Towns has given them correctly, they can just get open shots at the rim at will. And that's been so much of a problem in pretty much every game that it's I'm I'm not sure it's on the coaching staff per se, but there's something that needs to change we we talked about this a lot on our last episode of wolves wired that that how do we get towns to get smarter about the game because that seems to be his biggest problem right now and having your center have that much problem there's only so much Taj Taj gibson as great as he is on defense can cover for yeah david i'm so glad you touched on towns and his you know inability to do do a lot of things on defense and you know this is his third year in the season where you know they typically say that that's when a player starts coming into his own. And normally they talk about offense, but I also think it regards defense too. You know, it's just a better understanding what you're supposed to do and, and stuff. And the reason I want to talk about it is because, you know what, Anthony Davis entered this league and everybody thought he was going to be the next coming of at least a combination of something like the Kambi Mutombo and Marcus Camby. And guess what? It didn't happen. And it didn't happen for years. Um, even in that playoff run, the lone postseason he made back in 2014-15, Anthony Davis was still making those mistakes, those, do I help, do I not help? Would he overplay his man or not? And you know what? That indecision was there until just recently. I want to say during Alvin Gentry's first season, so four years in the league, he started coming around defensively as to where instead of basically thinking out there on the court, we noticed he started being more instinctual, and he started making just the right plays. Do you think Carl Anthony Towns, can follow in that suit like I mean do you trust his skills his intelligence all of it to come together as to where he can improve and make you know basically the the necessary adjustments 
to uh, become kind of that, you know, he needs to become that anchor protection in the paint, as Anthony Davis said. Do you have faith that that can still happen? Hearing you say that about Davis gives me a little more confidence in that it can happen because <laughs> it's one of those things that, yeah, it is year three in the league and he needs to be better. I don't think it's a question of drive. He's a very driven player and seeing I, from, from what I've heard from some of his comments, seeing him be the butt of the blame for how bad the defense is, is getting under his skin a little bit. And so I think he's going to be driven to improve that and whether or not he can do that. I'm glad there have been examples of people doing it in the past, but I think it's one of those things that I think it can get better this season. The more he plays with this specific lineup and the more he plays with these players around him, that he can get these instincts. He can feel where he's supposed to feel and not, not necessarily be as um, over aggressive, I think might be the word to go with. Cause it, again, well, it's, it's exactly like Davis. He's got all the physical tools. He just has to, have the right instincts to play within yeah. the system properly and to be where he needs to be. And David, I think it David, can happen. Yeah. I just want to give you a quick example of Davis starting the fourth year. He was still, whenever we would play the uh, Clippers, Blake Griffin would somehow pin him um, right in, at the start of transition underneath their basket, catch a pass from Chris Paul, 30, 40 feet away. So he's catching it two feet from the rim, turning and scoring, getting an and one, you name it. Anthony Davis was always getting stuck. It, it was plays like that that always had a scratch in our head. So is, is Carl Anthony Towns, you know, is he making mistakes like that? Or is it literally just coming in, you know, within the concept of team defense? Or is it everything? It's, it's a bit of both. I feel like he's a better one-on-one defender than it might appear at this point. But the game, game plans have been played around him. Like, he's just gotten... The first matchup against Oklahoma City, Steven Adams had one of his better scoring games of his career because they just put him in the pick and roll and ground him into the dust. And Adams just mm-hmm. got layup after dunk after layup after dunk. <laughs> and it's, teams know how to game plan for this. And it's yeah, clearly a point that. of weakness yeah. in what the Wolves are doing. Uh, I want to jump in on here because we're comparing the uh, two of these superstars uh, so much. I'm sure every listener knows the the battles that Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns continue to have against each other. And Anthony Davis has won all of those battles thus far. Uh, I was trying to find the numbers while you guys were talking, but I, cu- I couldn't put it up. But every time these guys go head to head, it seems like Anthony Davis is putting somewhere in the neighborhood of like 45 and 15 on Carl Anthony Towns, who's right behind him at some somewhere in the neighborhood of 37 and 12. And I was pulling up uh, Justin Barrier's old article about how when Carl Anthony Towns was at Kentucky, he was talking a bit about uh, a bit of smack about Anthony Davis, Uh, you know, nothing ill hearted or just just, you know, I'm going to take that guy down when I get to the NBA. I'm not scared of that guy. And Anthony Davis uh, was connected via text message, whoever this assistant coach was. And so to this day, whenever these guys face off, uh, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Are you expecting fireworks between these two? Now the Pelicans have DeMarcus Cousins. Now you guys have Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague. Do you think this still becomes a personal grudge match, or have we moved past that at this point, David? Here's what I'll say about that. I think that for the first um, – I don't remember last season if the Wolves ever played the Pelicans after the Cousins trade. I don't remember how the schedule shook out on that one. I am much more concerned about DeMarcus Cousins than I am about Davis tomorrow night, specifically because... They played one. I just want to really quick interject. They did play one, yes. And the Pelicans won 123-109. 
Yep, and Boogie had 15 and yeah, 15. Yeah, he had a mild game. Yeah. Yeah, it's specifically because this is a difference for this season specifically. Last season, depending on the matchup uh, with Gorgie Jang starting next to Towns, they would kind of rotate who was functionally the four and functionally the five on defense. And with Taj, Towns is playing the five basically 100% of the time. And so I think that he may not be matched up with Davis one like in on either end of the floor as much as he might be in the past. I don't know how the Pelicans are going to run out and defend uh, Gibson and Towns. I think that'll be interesting to see them. Would you guys expect them to put Davis on Towns on defense? Absolutely, yeah. Call I think Towns can stretch the floor. You want to keep Cousins closer to the rim. Last game, I don't know if you watched it last night, but Boogie had trouble just getting out to Maurice's face. Maurice drilled five threes in a matter of like six minutes. And basically, what was a tie game, all of a sudden the Magic are up 15, and they blew out, you know, they, they blew us out to finish the game. So I fully expect Anthony Davis to be all over Car Anthony Towns. Well, that might prove to be an interesting uh interesting thing to see if Taj Gibson three-point shooter feels like stretching his wings. <laughs> believe it or not, yeah, believe I'm it curious. or not, he's been, pra- he's been practicing corner threes all the way through the preseason, and he's been willing to take the shot, even though I think coming into the season, he was four for 35 career from three. Um, It's been something that he's been trying to add to the game and trying to actually have a little bit of a stretch component to his game. So I'll be interested to see if the Wolves try and use that to their advantage if the matchups do shake out as we think it could it could go. <laughs> David, uh, sorry, Al, you got something? No, no, I was just saying interesting. I didn't know Taj was expanding his game at all because all the minutes I've seen, he has been reluctant to shoot when he's been open on a perimeter, I noticed. Yeah, he's he hasn't taken the shot much this year, but he – He's shown enough to show that he at least wants it to be part of his game and to be something that opponents might have to respect at some point. It's still kind of one of those, was it a preseason phantom? Is he still practicing it? I'm sure he's still practicing it, but not much of a sample size on that one. He's (laughs) one of five on the season. David, the Pelicans and the Timberwolves are pretty pretty similar in that they're both uh, primarily pretty top-heavy, uh, and Tom Thibodeau is known for riding his starters pretty hard from his time in Chicago and in Minnesota. We see that Jimmy Butler is up to 39 minutes per game, and DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis equally are hovering around 38, although Anthony Davis' numbers are askewed as he was pulled from that Portland game midway through the first quarter. Uh, how much of your bench can we expect to see? Tell us a little bit about, you know, Tyus Jones, uh, Gorgie Deng, if he'll be coming off the bench, uh, Shabazz Muhammad. I, I haven't heard much from him this year. I know he's averaging around 15 minutes per game. And forgive me for murdering this name. Hopefully you'll do it justice. Uh, Belinka? <laughs> Nemanja Bielitsa. Oh, man, I murdered that. I apologize. I'm, I'm going to have to edit that out of here. I can't let people know. That's <laughs> fine. I, I very specifically remember one of the first podcasts I was on um, after he came over from the EuroLeague. We spent a good five minutes trying to figure out the actual correct way to pronounce his name. It was great. And every single um, every single opposing broadcaster, I think he's Bielitz has been over in the league for three years and still at least half the league can't say his name right of the broadcasters who do it for their jobs. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, I wasn't so, in the right area code. Go go ahead. What can we expect to see from this bench unit? So the interesting thing with the bench unit is I think that we've actually been seeing more of the bench than I expected to see going into the season because during their three preseason games, uh, Tibbs would frequently run out a five bench lineup with um, Tyus Jones, Jamal Crawford, Shabazz Muhammad, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Gorgie Jang. And all of us, all of the Wolves writers were like, nah, he's never going to do that in the regular season. There will always be at least one of Butler or Wiggins will be out with that unit and he'll run probably a nine-man rotation. Nope. He's running out the five-man bench unit regularly, which I really didn't expect him to do in the regular season because that lineup can sometimes have problems scoring and even worse problems passing. Because you're probably familiar with Jamal Crawford's game at this point. Jamal Crawford shoots the ball. (laughs) He will sometimes pass the ball, but Jamal Crawford shoots the ball. Shabazz Muhammad, uh, I think, is averaging 0.6 assists per game in his career. <laughs> when Boz gets the ball, Boz shoots the ball. And yeah. so I, remember, if, I loved an article on, uh, I'm sorry, last year, something about that. Forever the black hole, Shabazz. I mean, they, they loved his offense. He was coming around, even maybe said there was a hint of defense, but he was forever and ever being known as some. I forget the nickname. Um, you know, the SB Nation side of the Timberwolves had, but I, I love that article because I had a look at it because, you know, there was some rumors that maybe the Pelicans would pursue Shabazz, and I'm happy they didn't, but, yeah, I'm sorry. I just had to interject that. Um, no, that's fine. Shabazz at- is a huge black hole. Like, there is nothing anywhere that can disprove that, and it can be useful if he's scoring because every now and then he'll have a game where the shots are falling and he can just bulldoze his way to the rim, get to the line, get himself 12 or 13 points off the bench. And that's a huge contribution. Hasn't really happened this season. He's been on the floor. The shots haven't been falling. And the same can be said for Gorgie Jing, who has started the season really, really rough. Just hasn't been able to get shots to fall. I think if I look at Jing's numbers, um, it feels like he's shooting worse than 51%, just because he's not getting stuff that he's used to getting to fall to fall and his role has very drastically changed on the team going from starting last season to being the five off the bench, also playing full time at the five, which he did mostly last season, but not with nearly the quality of players that he's doing now come with the entire bench lineup. And an underrated aspect of Jeng's game was that Jeng and Zach Levine had an awesome chemistry in a two man game coming off the bench. When Lineups with Levine in the bench worked really, really well. Levine and Jeng in the bench worked really well because Levine and Jeng just had ridiculous chemistry playing a two-man game and could always get good shots for each other. And I think Jeng's been really hurt by not having that just insane chemistry with playing with a guy for years and just getting used to where is he going to go? Where is he going to be? I know where I know where Levine's going to tend to move. I know where I can set this screen and then shift to get an open shot on the floor. And so he's been kind of struggling to find his footing. Um, so the bench, it, it kind of moving back to the original question, the Wolves bench has been super hit or miss, and that's kind of the character almost every player on the bench has been. Bielita has his moments where he looks like a real NBA stretch four, it's not often. Jang hasn't been able to find his offensive stroke. Baz, he's either on or he's not. Jamal Crawford has made a career of either being on or not. 
And while Tyus Jones, I think, is a very good player that should be in the league for a long time as a backup point guard, he's still a third-year point guard that is a backup point guard. And he can put it on the floor and get a bucket every now and then, but he can't be relied on to be an offensive, a huge offensive threat. Yeah, right, David, David. I just really quick want to say that um, it's funny to hear you say all this because, you know, that's honestly how the Pelicans feel about their bench. It's hit or miss, and it's mostly been missed. Now, granted, we've got – I don't know how many injuries you guys have started the season with, but we've had pretty much five guys out since, you know, the regular season began. Agenza, Ashik, Solomon Hill, Rajon Rondo, and, and rookie Frank Jackson. So that's kind of held the Pelicans back after where Gentry's been forced to keep trying all sorts of combinations because once the stars got to come out, you got to throw in some reserves, and pretty much nothing has worked so far. Um, looking through your guys' plus minus, you know, I, I don't really care for that stat, but – kind of says a lot when every single one of your reserves is glaringly worse than your starters. Like I'm looking at Crawford minus 5.6 um, Shabazz minus 7.1 um, has the bench improved in Minnesota. Would you say, cause I know going into the season, everybody talked about Butler coming on board Teague. And I know that there was always, you guys were, the wolves were always involved in rumors. You know, they, they were after this player, that player, like for instance, they wanted Dante Cunningham. Do you feel like that they struck out way too much or maybe that's not the right phrase, but that they missed on enough of the players that they needed to add to the roster. Therefore, you know, their bench is pretty much still unreliable this season. I wanted Dante bad, man. <laughs> I love Dante Cunningham. I loved him. When, I loved him when he was in Minnesota the first time. And the fact that he's done as much as he has to expand his game in the last couple of years, that would have been such a good signing. But the Pelicans made the moves necessary, and I'm happy that he's getting paid and is doing some playing. But just going to put that out there. I love Dante. But um, Crawford, plus minus aside, he single-handedly saved the Wolves (laughs) in at least one of their wins so far. When he goes off, it's important. And he'll spend a lot of time. He's the... He's the reserve that gets the most minutes with 21 minutes. And especially in late game situations when um, teams can go offense and defense with their substitutions, he'll actually come into the lineup in place of um, Taj Gibson when the Wolves need more shooting on the floor and is a guy that you can trust to get a shot if he needs to get a shot late in the game. And especially last night in the game against Miami, um one thing that won't pop out in the box score is early in the fourth quarter of that game, Jamal Crawford had, uh, I want to say Tyler Johnson of the heat on him and just kept drawing fouls. The wolves were in the bonus with like eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. And that ended up being a huge factor in them winning the game. So Crawford does good things. You pretty much know what you're getting with him at this point, but he's been a really effective piece off the bench more than I thought he would be as a signing. I wasn't really sold on the Crawford signing, but he's, he's been a good fat, good factor. And he's been better than I thought he would be. He still has his moments where it's like, yep, that's Jamal Crawford, not playing defense at all ever, but you take it for, for the clutch shots and the good moments and the foul drawing and the intelligent, I hate to use the locker room presence word, but he is a great locker room presence. All right, let's get to predictions. Uh, 29-21, all-time in favor of New Orleans, including 10-4 to since we became the Pelicans. Uh, the game is Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern in the Smoothie King Center. David, who do you got? I've got New Orleans, <laughs> being real honest. I am very concerned about 
a team that has the front court matchups that can really abuse how bad Towns has been on defense, like New Orleans does with their two twin towers, if you will, of um, Towns and Cousins, really kind of gives me the worries. Sorry, you said Towns and Cousins, Davis and er, Cousins. Yeah. Okay, get that straight. <laughs> Davis and Cousins. Wow. <laughs> Kentucky, too many Kentucky guys. They're everywhere. That's right. Uh, I Yeah, I just – I'm super concerned about that. I believe, if I can look up a stat real quick, one of the writers at Timberwolves blog, A Wolf Among Wolves, at Break the Huddle on Twitter, had a good stat earlier today with uh, front courts slash centers – the seven primary defensive assignments Towns has had on him this season, who the best names on this list are probably Rudy Gobert and Andre Drummond, but neither of those are particularly huge offensive threats. Uh, They're averaging 16, 12, and two on 60% shooting against Towns. And Mm -hmm. both Davis and Cousins are significantly better on offense than any of the players on this list. So I am... I don't know how the Wolves are going to score enough if New Orleans' front court plays the matchup correctly. I do think that because of the bench issues highlighted by you guys earlier on New Orleans' side, I think if the Timberwolves' bench has a good game, it could be closer than I think. But I really do think the Pelicans can win this game. Ollie? Yeah, I'm with David. I, and and the main reason is is because DeMarcus Cousins is going to be coming off his worst game of the season. Before that, he's been honestly putting up MVP style of numbers he's had the conditioning he's got the team's respect he's running the offense and he's pretty much done a good job on both ends of the floor but boy he honestly and he said it himself today he pretty much put up a dud um in last night's loss to the orlando magic so i'm definitely looking for him to have a bounce back game and you know anthony davis i don't think he's ever had a you know anything close to an average game against the wolves for the reasons we've mentioned tonight so yeah i think likelihood is the Pelicans are going to win. But the only thing that gives me, you know, some kind of pause here is the fact that you guys have Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins on your wings, and we don't have anything close to that. So, honestly, if this game somehow, as for Kat, Gibson, and um, Dian or Jang can somehow stay within reason of whatever uh, production Cousins and Davis put forth, it could be decided on the wings, and I'll tell you what, your wings are far superior in their abilities to be two-way players. Pelicans have been searching high and low, you know, just to get any kind of consistency from their small forward. And Drew Holiday as the shooting guard, um, he's had, you know, had trouble acclimating his new role as well. So, I don't know. Even though I'm with you that I really think the Pelicans will win, I can see that being a big problem area for the Pelicans if the Wolves were to come and win. Well, and that's why I think this matchup is so interesting because it's very much the Pelicans' front court strength against the Wolves' front court weakness on the defensive end. And on the flip side, it's the Wolves' strength in the wings against the Pelicans' weakness in the wings. And which one of those is going to come out on the winning side of the matchup I think is going to be really interesting to watch. I'm so excited for this matchup. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think the teams can do some interesting things to each other just because of the matchups that are created. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how they, they both play it. 
Yeah, this should be a game where all the Pelicans players uh, do well. Not only are the Wolves terrible in the paint and in transition and fast breaks, but uh, opponents have been shooting better against them than anyone else in the league from uh, every facet of the floor. I think 58% from the field. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but from long twos, threes, everywhere, everybody's shooting well against the Timberwolves. So if nothing else, we can expect uh, a high-scoring affair. And just to go back to DeMarcus Cousins, what Ali was saying, we're human beings just like the rest. There are days when y'all don't feel like going to work. Same here. You know, I mean, it's tough, but it's part of the job and part of being a professional. We have to come out ready to play every night. So we know he's going to bring it. We know that Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns always bring it when they face each other. So I am I am really excited. You know, uh, win or lose, I'm just really excited to watch this basketball game. I think it's going to be a lot more entertaining even than we've uh, played it up to be so far. Going to be an exciting night of basketball. Thank you to David Naylor of Zone Coverage MN. Once again, you can follow him at P-R-O-F Cedar, Prof Cedar, like Professor, and at Zone Coverage MN. Dave, will you be live tweeting this matchup? Uh, I anticipate that I will be, but we'll see where the evening takes me tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Cool. So fans, make sure that you follow him and uh, get, get some uh, bits of wisdom from the, the mind of the enemy. And uh, we have something up pregame for Pels fans to study up on. I don't think so, Preston. Um... I need a break. Honestly, I am tired. I've been running the shoes all week. Yeah, I've been trying to commit to doing this and that, but you know what? It, it's just too much. So I actually want to be able to enjoy a little bit, catch more of what's going on just in the games um, leading up to them, you know, with the players as such in pregame, shoot-arounds, all that. So, no, I'll, we're just going to have our typical preview, go with the game thread, and then a good recap, I think. And David, I, I understand there's a lot of mutual respect between the two of you. For our listeners who didn't hear, they met in Las Vegas at Summer League and uh, immediately hit it off. Good buddies who uh, keep in contact. Uh, David came down on Thanksgiving in New Orleans for a matchup, and the two of them uh, touched base then. Ali is our editor-in-chief, and one of the toughest parts about being an editor is not overlooking uh, you know, some of your contributors' work, although I'm sure that is also time-consuming. It's it's keeping keeping this thing going. Uh, Ali is up with new material every day, uh, sometimes multiple things per day, on top of you know pushing his writers. He does a fantastic job. If anybody deserves a break, man, you pushed us through that off-season hard. So thank you to you uh, for our listeners. He is at Ali Cosell. Uh, by the way, my flights are booked. I'll see you in December. Uh, thanks to Southwest Airlines for the straight flights. Yeah. So I will for sure be at that Bucks game with you. Um, we touched on the birdrights.com. Uh, David, do you have anything coming up that you want to tell our listeners about? Uh, my, my interesting thing this week is probably not going to be that interesting to very many people, but I am going to the Iowa Wolves season opener on Saturday, the Timberwolves brand spanking new D league team or G league team. Sorry. Um, which they, those of us who have followed the team to the level that I have for the last few years have been craving actually having a team in the G league to develop prospects with. So I'm really excited to see where the Iowa wolves go this season. So I'll be going down to Des Moines to see their season opener. And I'm writing a good bit about that this week of previewing their roster, featuring some names that you've never heard of and will never hear of again. So that's, that's my little bag this week, but I'm, I'm excited for that. Iowa is my home state. And so I'm excited to see my favorite NBA team reaching out to my home state. And while I'm spilling a little bit, I do want to give a shout out to the city of New Orleans for being so kind to me last Thanksgiving. I was in New Orleans on Thanksgiving Day last year. The um, 
Timberwolves played the Pelicans the day before, and it didn't make sense for me to try and drive all the way back up to Iowa 14 hours to make it to my family Thanksgiving. So I had Thanksgiving on Bourbon Street. It was a great time. I enjoyed it, and I want to just shout that out while I've got the ears of some New Orleans people. So that was great. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank you for that. Uh, New Orleans New Orleans can be a lot of things. Uh, I, I was born and raised there. I haven't been there in a while, but my parents are still there. I visited them regularly. For all the things you can say about New Orleans, it really does have that that family type uh i don't know just comfortability uh you can strike up a conversation with anybody it almost feels like you're talking to a family member versus some of the other places i lived where you know there's there's cordialities but there's there's not seeming like the 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 warm embrace that you get from true new orleans residents uh really good people um let's let's wrap this up thank you so much to david naylor once again ali cosell as always bringing credibility to the pod uh for you guys uh log on to itunes from your computer go to the to store, switch to podcast from, from music, then search the bird rights and rate it from your phone, open your podcast app, enter the bird rights in the search bar, click it, scroll down to the bottom and rate it. We really appreciate it. With this podcast, we're going to be up to 40,000 downloads. I'm thrilled. I know that Ollie's thrilled. Thank all of you so much for all of your support, your retweets, all that good stuff. Uh, we're really thrilled to, to keep this going. And with that being said, of course, you've got recaps here. You've got weekly checkups with Ollie, with Kevin Berrios, as well as these previews. We're going to keep them going. We've got the Pacers coming up. We've got the Bulls coming up. We're not going to miss a beat. Thank you guys so much. Uh, let's look forward to this contest on Wednesday. Thank you to David. Thank you to Ollie. Let's go, pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bird Rights for all the latest and best coverage on your pals. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Your help has gotten us to more than 35,000 downloads at this point. A feature on Blog Talk Radio on the main page and a spot here on Dash Radio's new basketball concentration network and as always if you have any questions direct them to at preston ellis and we'll answer them by the next show let's go pals hi it's jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.